0: O you who are the light of the minds that know you, the life of the hearts that love you, the strength of the spirits that seek you, help us to know you that we may truly love you, so to love you that we may fully serve you, in whose service is perfect freedom. Amen. We're all likely familiar with the scene of Jesus' nativity. We obviously just reenacted it here up in the front, uh, there are animals, there are shepherds, angels, and then there are three kings, or three wise men, maybe a camel or two, all gathered at the stable, gathered around the manger with a star above in the sky. And our scenes, as lovely as they are, are actually a combination of two different stories from two different books the good news according to luke on one hand and the good news according to matthew on the other the shepherds angels and animals all belong to luke's story shepherds are minding their business with their sheep in the field and they're interrupted by an army of angels who direct them to bethlehem which is where they find mary joseph and jesus in the stable. And where there's a stable, of course, there are animals. It doesn't say exactly in the Bible that there are animals, but, you know, if there's a stable, there should be some animals there. Luke's story, in effect, is told this way to identify Jesus' humble beginnings. No comfy home, born among animals, and those who come to greet him are shepherds. These are the poor. Luke's story proclaims the good news of God's coming as good news for the weak, the outcast, and the oppressed. The coming of Christ to the poor as poor reveals God's love for the least, the last, and the lost. That's Luke's nativity scene. Now, you've probably noticed a few figures missing, figures that we added earlier in the service. You might know that there's no star to be seen, no star meaning no wise men to follow the star and no wise men to follow the star meaning no camels to hop on or off of, which is because all three of these things are derived from Matthew's telling rather than Luke's Christmas story. You notice that Luke's story is very earthy. It's agricultural. There's a birth so ordinary that simple people can understand it. Here it is good news and respond like the shepherds. On the other hand, though, Matthew's story is kind of exotic. It's mystical. It's cosmopolitan and international. They're wise men, it says. Later tradition morphed these figures into we three kings from orient are. But they are magi or magi. Somebody always asks me, which is is it after I preach a sermon on this? It doesn't matter. Magi, magi, potato, potato. Same. Regardless of how you say it, they're well-read scholars, people with royal connections. They observe the movements of the stars and try to decipher meaning from them. Our most modern equivalent might be scientists. So not the kind of, you know, killjoy type scientists that see the scientific method as the explanation for everything. I got one laugh. That was good. As long as somebody laughs. These these are the kinds of scientists that are kind of caught up in the wonder and beauty of the world around them, and they see connections. They know that the universe is brimming with joy and beauty and meaning. And so this is how these guys end up spotting the star and following it. They're observing the heavens. They're wise men, it says, and... They're also wise men from the east. They're probably from Persia, which is modern-day Iran. We can have our prayers uh, for the people of Iran today as well. Meaning they're foreigners. And they're pagans, meaning they don't worship the God of Israel. They have their own god or gods, and they have their own traditions. They practice astrology, which kind of has a pretty bad rep in the Bible, especially the Old Testament. So they're these political and religious outsiders through and through. So they're wise men and they're outsiders from the East. They're foreigners. But even so, they're drawn by the star to Bethlehem, the land of the God of Israel. And when they arrive at the home of Christ, they kneel. In worship, they're filled with joy. They offer their allegiance to the newborn babe. If you're a fan of Game of Thrones, they bend the knee. I don't know if, does anybody get that reference at all? Maybe just me. Uh, Game of Thrones, bend the knee. Anyway. They place, (laughs) I heard somebody back there. They place treasure fit for a king at Christ's feet. No stable mentioned, no animals, just a home, just a mother and a child. So here we have these, in this nativity scene, these influential intellectual scholar scientists. We have foreigners from the East, strangers from an international exotic locale, and they come bearing the incredible wealth of their nations, which they lay at Christ's feet. Where Luke's nativity was very ordinary for ordinary people, living very locally rooted lives, Matthew's nativity, is meant to be extraordinary it's written for those who prize intelligence and learning it's written for those with a broader liberal-minded and international perspective on things more so than the average shepherd and it's written for those with plenty of wealth to spare In that regard, you could say that Matthew's nativity scene was especially crafted for people like us. Let's get the next slide, get the next slide up there. Yeah, here we go. There you go, you have the three wise men and they're on segues and they've got Amazon boxes. It's a bit of an irreverent uh, modern take on, on the magi. But we're the most educated society in human history. Even those of us with little education are, in many ways, more knowledgeable. We're more educated than just about every other generation before us. We're the children of scientific progress, analyzing the data of the cosmos to discover deeper meaning and uncover interconnectedness. We also live in a globalized world, a society of immigrants, intertwined economies, and instant worldwide communications. Plus, you know, we're also the richest society in human history. So we have all the characteristics of modern magi, magi, potato, potato, wise men, any way you put it. I mean, it's funny because often critics of religion will paint believers as gullible or brainwashed fools. And I mean, I may be a gullible fool, Uh, that may be true. But Matthew here has some of the world's best and brightest people show up to the party. This suggests that there's room at the manger for both our hearts and our heads, our brains and our gut, both the unsophisticated ancients and sophisticated moderns alike. Luke and Matthew together say that the Christian message is for everyone, regardless of their station in life. And what is this message exactly? So we're coming to the end of the Christmas season. You know the song, you know, On the Twelfth Day of Christmas My True Love Gave to Me. Today we celebrate the Epiphany of the Lord, which caps off the season of Christmas. It's the 12 days. Epiphany means manifestation. It means something that was hidden has come to light. Something we couldn't see before, we can now see. It's like the little light bulb, you know, that goes above, if you're, if you're a cartoon character, a little light bulb goes off above your head, you figure something out finally. We say we had a, an epiphany when something finally makes sense. And what makes sense in the, Christian, the, the Christmas story points in two different directions. The first is this. According to the Christian tradition, this is the moment, the epiphany, is where in Jesus Christ we have been shown the truth at the heart of all things. We have been shown the truth about God in the face of a child, the mystery revealed in his eyes. And in him we have seen that God is love, not just any kind of love but self-giving, cross-shaped, sacrificial love. As Jesus says in John's Gospel, I am the light of the world. He is the image of the invisible God shining forth into ordinary life. The epiphany is first about the nature of God. And second... The epiphany is also this. This is the other direction that the epiphany points in. Also according to Christian tradition. According to Christian tradition, Jesus has fulfilled all righteousness. He has fulfilled the law of God in living a full, authentic human life. Life as it's always intended to be. He's put on flesh of the God of love. Loving, feeding, feeding. Healing, teaching, challenging, disrupting, emptying himself for friend and enemy, saint and sinner alike. Jesus says also in the Gospel of John, which is actually the Christmas Gospel, I'll explain that some other day, which doesn't even mention Christmas, but anyway. Jesus also says in the Gospel of John, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He is the invisible God but also the pattern for our own. He is the image of the invisible God and the pattern also for our living. The epiphany is, secondly, about the nature of who we are meant to be as human beings. Lives lived in union with God. And what does this union with God look like? W.H. Auden, or Auden? (laughs) Potato, potato. Magi, Magi, Auden, Auden, whichever you want to say. it. One of the great English poets of the mid-20th century included the wise men as part of his beautiful epic poem, A Christmas Oratorio. In it, he retells the Christmas story as a modern one, with each of the characters telling their own story from their own perspective. And in the Bible, we never get in the Magi's heads. We never hear why these sophisticated scholarly and wealthy people were drawn by the star. But in this poem, Auden has the wise say these words in explaining why they're following the star to Christ. Magi number one. To discover how to be truthful now is the reason I follow the star, says the first. To discover how to be living now is the reason I follow the star, says the second. To discover how to be loving now is the reason I follow the star, says the third. To discover how to be truthful now, how to know the truth how to live the truth. It's easy for people like us in an era of relativism and fake news to downplay the importance of truth. But Jesus said, you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. Jesus gives us a truth to build our lives on. And in following him, God makes us into truthful people, freed to be people of deep integrity that people around us can depend on. To discover how to be living now. We are people who know incredible distraction. Our minds are always thinking towards our phones, preoccupied with the next thing, unable to be here in the present, present to the people we love either. In following Jesus, God frees us from our anxieties we are able to see each and every moment as one shot through with the glory of God and to pay attention to the most ordinary points of life as fused with God's holy presence. Epiphany tells us that what's important here and now on earth is what's important is here on now on earth in the flesh and not somewhere off in heaven. Trust in God, Jesus says, and trust in me. No need to be enslaved to our pasts, nor be consumed by the fear of the future. To learn how to be loving now. A world as it is makes loving seem all the more impossible. A divided culture with hostile opposing sides, the gap between the rich and poor continues to grow while war and violence loom large yet again. Epiphany tells us that there is a different way Love God with everything you've got, Jesus says, and love neighbor, your neighbor, as yourself. In following the star, kneeling, and offering our lives at the manger, God frees us from our fears and hatreds, empowering us to love friend and enemy alike. To be truthful, living, and loving. These are the reasons, according to Auden Auden, that the Magi seek the child in Bethlehem. And then after all three of these people have spoken, he has them all speak at once to say this to discover how to be human now is the reason we follow the star. to be truthful, to be living, to be loving, ultimately to be human. This is the reason the wise men were drawn by the star. And the same promise of transformation is given to us this day. Make no mistake, the journey will take all we've got. It means that like the Magi, our intellects, our ambitions, our time, our money and our possessions, all will be offered at the feet of Christ. It'll cost us everything we have. But the promise is that we, like they, will come to know true joy. To know God, our source, our end, more fully, more deeply. And to become more like Jesus, the manifestation, the epiphany of our creator. Becoming more fully and truly human, the people we were created to be. So, I'll end with the words of that hymn we began in worship, we began worship with in this morning. So may we, with holy joy, pure and free from sin's alloy, all our costliest treasures bring, Christ to thee, our heavenly king. May it be so. May we follow the star, even modern Sophisticated people like us. Amen.